Hi, and welcome to Reading by Flashlight. I'm Allison, and today we're going to be going over chapters 46 through 50 of Daughter of the Deep, Rick Riordan's new book. And before we begin, make sure to listen to past episodes just in case you haven't so that you don't hear any spoilers if you're interested in this book. But here we are starting at chapter 46. So it starts off with saying, Every time I think the Nautilus can't surprise me anymore, I find out that I'm wrong. On the sub's lowest level in the back of the main storeroom, crates have been moved aside to reveal a large metal vault door, like the ones that leads to the subterranean lake in Lincoln Base. And Esther explains how some people had found it while doing inventory of everything they had. And she's like, I think I know what's inside of it, but there's really only one way to be sure. And in other words, she needs the magic Nemo hands. Definitely. That's what we're going to call them from now on. The magic Nemo hands. So Anna starts to talk to it and says, Nautilus, would it be okay if I open this door? And then it opens by itself. And she pulls it open and she's like, oh. She's like, normally I'm not like this. Stuff doesn't impress me. But for a moment, I forget how to breathe. I can't believe what I'm seeing. And Esther's like, it's Nemo's treasury. I thought that's what it was. <laughs> and so there's this, just this big room full of silver, diamonds, rubies, pearls, crazy jewelry. And there's the shelves are lined with wooden chests. And they've all got loot like overflowing out of them. And, like, apparently he was really obsessed with order because, like, all the diamonds are together. All the rubies are together. They're sorted by size and color. And, like, it's everywhere. It's overflowing in the room. And Anna's just like, wow. And then Esther said, this room is organized by genius. And then Top is sniffing around the treasure. And Esther's like, Nemo gave Harding Pencroft a box like this. It was enough to build the entire academy. And Anna's like, but there must be like 20 boxes in there like that. And she's like, Nemo gathered some of it from the merchant vessels he plundered from old shipwrecks he discovered. In 20,000 leagues under the sea, nope, 20,000 leagues, he boasted that he could pay off the national debt of France and it wouldn't make a dent in his fortune. This room may be just one of his stashes. Harding's family legend says team at Nemo had supply bases all around the world. Like, dude, this guy's rich. He's got the money. And then... Anna finds something that looks like a keytar, and she's like, what in the... Captain Nemo invented the keytar? And then Esther laughs, and she's like, he took his music seriously. And Anna's like, oh, I guess so. And then Anna turns to Esther, and she's like, well, at least something good came out of this. You don't need to have your trustees anymore. You can rebuild Harding Pencroft all on your own. And Esther's like, well, I wasn't... I would never, it's not my treasure. I would only do that if you decided. And then she's like, Esther, I trust you. We'll figure out the details later, but I can't imagine a world without Harding Pencroft Academy. As Prince Dakar's descendant and captain of the Nautilus, I ask you to please take this gift. And I know you're going to make HP even bigger. And then she's like, I'm going to go put this under my bunk. And then she runs off with a box of pearls or whatever it was that was in that box. So Captain Nemo didn't believe in humanity. He didn't even believe in himself. And he tried and failed to change the world and ended up being written off as a fictional character. And Anna starts to think about Dev aboard the Aeronimax. And she remembers him telling her that he had to have destroyed HP because it was the only way to take what was rightfully ours. 
the ship, and Nemo's legacy. And while she's thinking about this, she's interrupted by Jupiter, and he signs to her, where did you, where did your crew put my muffin pans? And then Anna tells him, let's go have a look. So, yeah, we head off in search of real treasure. We can't use billions in the middle of the tr a trench, but we can definitely use Jupiter's blueberry muffins. So chapter 47, Anna just explains how she's been using the last couple hours to check up on her crew and to help out wherever they need help. And the Nautilus is kind of acting cranky. And she's like, I suppose that she didn't like being called an antique piece of junk by the crew of a newer submarine, then running from a fight by shooting halfway across the Pacific. That, that's probably the reason. And Anna had decided to leave the vault door of the treasury room open so that the crew members could take a look. And she's like, she made it clear that if anyone wanted to walk away after we finished repairs, they could do so and become an instant billionaire. But so far, there haven't been any takers. So, like, no one's taking the offer, but everyone still is joking around and calling each other billionaires. Like, now Nalena is now billionaire engineer De Silva, and now Anna is billionaire Captain Descartes, and now Jupiter is billionaire gourmet orangutan. So, the next one and a half day kind of passes, and they're kind of just working on fixing everything up as fast as they can. They're working on degunking parts of the Nautilus, and Nalena is trying to get the cab drive back online. Sharks are repairing the laden cannons, trying to get the armory, the torpedoes, the weapons to work. And yeah, they're trying to just fix everything up as fast as they can so that they can get back to Lincoln Base. And at one point, they're kind of just around the pipe organ, and they were talking about how when you play the music, you can hear it anywhere on the ship. And Esther's like, even outside probably, because that keytar thing looks waterproof. And then is like, why would she want to use it outside? And Esther's like, I don't know, because it's cool. And then every, she, Anna starts to play, and Virgil's like, that was beautiful. And then from overhead, someone in the speaker says, engine room, hey, Anna, keep doing that. Some panels lit up down here that we haven't been able to get working before. So she begins to play songs by John Lennon and a few songs from Adele. And she's playing all these songs. And then the Nautilus starts to join in and begins to play like her own kind of counter melodies and yeah so things are starting to work now like actually work and esther and anna decide to go back to the room and esther's like you've chained the nautilus changed the nautilus have you ever heard of imprinting and anna's like like when a baby duck imprints on its mother they form some kind of attachment and esther says or when another species of animals attaches to a human dogs for instance and anna says so you're saying the nautilus is my baby duck and Esther's like, or maybe you're the Nautilus's baby duck. Either way, you're connecting to each other, but I think that's good. I guess we're going to find out tomorrow. And Anna's like, tomorrow? And Esther's like, Nalena didn't tell you? She wants you to go outside the ship and to try something with the hole. Chapter 48 starts off with Jim saying light and frost as they are suiting up. And Anna's kind of like, what? And Jim's like, it's some kind of shielding. It's different than laden guns, but laden frost would create a near freezing sheath of water around the hole. Yeah, so I guess they're trying to make some sort of shield, and they're going to test it out, maybe? I don't know. He's like, Laden Frost was designed so that the Nautilus could dive into extreme temperatures, like she could theoretically plunge through an active volcano, vent straight through lava, and suffer no damage at all. And Anna's like, wow. 
And Jim's like, but if only we could get the shields working, it might disperse energy weapons. Obviously, Nemo didn't use it that way, because no other ships in his time had laden cannons. But I have a theory that Aeronimax is using laden frost, and that's why it was impervious to Lincoln's base electrical currents. And so Anna's like, okay, so how are we going to get it back to working? And Elena's like, I'm going to guide you. There's a damaged conduit just past the starboard and bulkhead. I have a feeling it needs a special Nemo touch, which is why we've got to send you. But otherwise, it should be a simple fix. And then Elena's like, okay, I'm flooding the airlock. And then Anna starts to speak to the ship, just saying, Nautilus, we're going out. We're inspecting the hole. Everything's going to be okay. And they get out, and Jim and Anna are both like, wow, this is so cool. So they start to do some flips in the water. And then Nalina's, okay, you guys, you've got work to do out there. And then Jim sarcastically says, aw, but mom. And then she's like, don't you start with me, Twain, or I'll take away your sig saucers. Now, if you both please make your way towards the aft of the sub. Whoop, Nalina can get bossy. So they find the damaged part and they fix it, no problem. And then not, um, Anna talks to the Nautilus and she's like, I'm sorry if that hurts. And then Anna's like, okay, Nalena, you want to give it a try? And she says, okay, we're going to do two test runs. First, we're going to electrify the hull, and then if it goes okay, we're going to try the shield. She's like, you ready? So she does something, and the entire ship kind of lights up like a carnival. Like there's thousands of different places that are being colored with white, blue, gold spots, purple, all of this stuff. And then one sweeps over her face, and it kind of momentarily blinds her. And she's like, yeah, Nalena, is that supposed to be happening? And she's like, no, hang on, I don't, bridge, did somebody hit the wrong button? Are we having a grand opening nobody told me about? Electricity, not floodlights. And then Jim whispered, it is kind of beautiful though. But Anna's like, something doesn't feel right. This much light and dark, what is the Nautilus doing right now? And then Anna says, guys, you guys really need to kill the lights. And some Coop, someone named Cooper yells, we're trying to, I don't get it, we didn't even... And then the connection breaks into just this garble of static and voices are yelling and Cooper yells, contact on Locus. And then someone's rise. And Anna's like, where? A ship? And then Cooper's like, no, too big. Anna, Jim, you need to. And then he yells, blow. And they look down and see a gargantuan shadow rising from the depths, unfolding like wings of death. Boom, boom, boom. So chapter 49, it's right underneath them, underneath them, I can't talk, and Jim tackles Anna to get her out of the way because eight tentacles the size of bridge cables wrap themselves around the Nautilus. Oh, it's a giant octopus or something. And then Anna yells, Nautilus, what's the status? And Cooper's like, it's a giant octopus on the ship. And she's like, if we live through this experiment, I'm going to have to rename him Acting Captain Obvious. And then Nalena's like, it's squeezing us, whole integrity, I don't know if. And Jim's like, electricity, that story about the giant squid? And Anna's like, I know the one that he means. In 20,000 leagues, the Nautilus gave a cranky squid some shock therapy to get it off the ship. Something about that account always seemed off to me, but before I can say anything, Cooper gives the order to electrify the hole. So the lights go dark, and a moment later, green tendrils of lightning flash through the deep, and... Basically, it looks like it's shocking. And they're all expecting the creature to lose its grip. Like, it had to hurt, but it's just wrapping tighter around the Nautilus. And then Nalena's shouting, Gah, get off us, you creep. And then Jim says, Cooper, try another charge, more power. And then Anna's like, no, wait, Cooper, belay that order. And then Jim goes, like, numb. And he's like, do you have a better idea? 
And, like, his tone isn't sarcastic. I kind of said that sarcastically, but it's not meant to be taken that way. He genuinely wants a better idea. And Anna's like, it likes the electricity. And then Esther's like, she's right. Octopuses communicate with electrical currents. That probably felt good to it, to him. And then Anna's like, oh, right. And she's like, I guess he's not attacking. He's being affectionate. And then someone on board shrieks, ew. And then Anna calls Nalena. We need to tell Romeo to respect our personal space. That light and frost shielding, give it a strong blast. And then she's like, put. And then she's like, oh, I see it now. And she's like, right, he needs a cold shower. So a moment later, white jets of water erupt from the prow, sheathing the Nautilus and crashing into the octopus tentacles like an avalanche. And then the octopus shuttles and his head pulses, probably from some serious brain freeze. And Anna's like, once more. And in another, and he lets go of the ship, and he lurches away, spewing ink everywhere. And then Anna yells, Cooper, anyone? And she's static. And Cooper's like, we're here, we're okay, but that was pretty intense. And Jim says, is the octopus gone? And Cooper's like, uh, actually, guys, but before the ink cloud can dissipate, Romeo, which is what they're calling them, has not left. And he's, in fact, sitting, not sitting, but floating right in front of Anna and Jim. And he looks kind of offended, but Anna's not sure if she's, like, imagining that or what. And Jim's like, hey, Anna, how about we don't make any sudden moves? And they're like, okay. And then Anna's like, Esther, can you hear me? And she says, I'm here. Anna, that octopus is really close to you. And Anna's like, I noticed. How would you feel about suiting up and joining us? Esther's like, is that a joke? I have trouble telling with your jokes. And she's, no, I assure you. I need my animal specialist. And bring the guitar, will you? And she says, I think I understand why the Nautilus brought us down here. In chapter 50, Anna tries to keep the octopus engaged by showing him sign language. Like, she doesn't really expect him to understand it, but she can at least try to give him something to do while Esther's suiting up and getting out here. And she told Jim her plan, and she's like, It's a stretch. How could the Nautilus even know the octopus would be down here? How long would an octopus this size live anyway? And Anna's like, I don't know. He could be ancient or a descendant of octopuses who've always lived here. I just don't think the Nautilus would have brought us here just to get us killed. I think in her own way, she's kind of trying to help us. And Anna signs her name for the 10th time. She says, I am Anna. And she kind of shows him how to say Romeo, which is what they officially have named him. And Jim's like, we only have 20 minutes of air left. Uh, That's not good. They need to do this quick then. And then Esther comes out and she's gripping the keytar. And she looks really weird in all her boots and the key- with the keytar. And she's like, I hate this. And Jim's like, just relax your boots. Okay, now left, blah, 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 all this stuff. And she's like, oh, wow, this octopus is big. And he's really pretty. And Esther's like, do you think I could be able to touch him? And Anna's like, well, I mean, I don't know if that's such a good idea. But she puts her hand on Romeo's forehead. And he seems to relax. And Anna's like, okay, Esther, watch Romeo's responses. If I do something wrong, help me change course. And Jim's like, but what if things go really wrong? (laughs) I imagine it being high-pitched, cracking right there. What if things go really wrong? And then Anna's like, it'll work. It has to. And then Anna calls out to the Nautilus, and she's like, I need your help. I think you brought us here to meet your friend. If that's the case, help me talk to him. And Anna starts to play, and Jim's like, is it working? And Anna says, hold on, I'm still trying to say hello. 
and she plays a verse of Adele to see how it goes, and the Nautilus puts on the light show, and Esther's like, I think he likes puzzles. Try the batch or something intricate. Oh, she tries for a few minutes, but then Jim's like, Anna, we're almost out of air. We need to go. And then Anna's like, okay, let's get back on board then. And Romeo decides to leave them alone, and he just floats there, kind of looking at the Nautilus, but, you know, it's cool. They got him off of him from the death blow he was about to give them. And the airlock drains, and that's good because they're literally sucking the last molecules of oxygen from their helmets. And she just removes her helmet when Nalina opens and she marches in and she's like, are you crazy risking yourself like that? And then Anna's like, I love cephalopods. You and the rest of the team and the giant went outside. You're all wonderful. And Nalina's like, did she have nitrogen narcosis? Did you break Anna? And Jim's like, I don't think so. She's like that when I found her. And then Esther said, that octopus is amazing. And then Top starts to bark at her. And she's like, but you're more, you're more amazing. And then Anna's like, get the crew ready. I'll explain my plan. Then we're going to war. Hey guys, before you go move on to your next podcast or eat your lunch, make sure to check out the bio of the episode where you can find a link to support this podcast. And whether or not you choose to support, just make sure to check out the bio in general because there's lots of information there on what each episode is going to be about, what chapters we'll be going over the next week, and also the link to send in a voice message. They're going to war? What? Well, that's kind of the end of this episode. Make sure to come back next week for the next five chapters as we figure out what exactly is happening here. Again, this is Daughter of the Deep, written by Rick Riordan, and I'll see you next week.